This podcast from Teacher is supported by Bank First, the customer-owned bank proudly supporting the education community since 1972. Hello and thanks for downloading this school improvement podcast from Teacher. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. Scoresby Secondary College in Melbourne's East is on a mission to improve instructional practice by embedding student voice in the school's improvement cycle. To do this, they're using the Scoresby Secondary College Amplify model, which are seven interrelated steps which synthesise a range of student voice and agency literature, as well as research on reflective practice and leadership. The goals of the model are simple to support teachers, students and leaders to work collaboratively with the full range of student perspectives and to clearly define what collaborating with students for improvement-related processes looks like. For today's podcast, I headed out to the school to sit down with Murray Cronin, Head of Curriculum and Pedagogy. We discuss how the school has engaged students in decision-making and improvement-related processes and the impact that student voice has had on school culture. Murray also goes into quite a lot of detail about the Amplify model and how they're going to further develop it in 2020 and beyond. Let's dive in. Murray Cronin, thanks for joining Teacher Magazine. No problem, thank you for having me. Could you start off by telling me a little bit about Scoresby Secondary College and its context? So Scoresby is a year 7 to 12 government school and we're located in the suburb of Scoresby in Melbourne's eastern suburbs. We have about 300 students and this is rapidly rising. So this rise is following a lot of our recent academic success. So last year we were identified as having the highest growth in VCE and this year uh, we essentially have doubled the number of students achieving high growth in NAPLAN. So, you know, when we compare this year's to 2015, 2016, as of today, almost 40% of our students are achieving high growth between seven and nine in reading, writing, grammar, punctuation and numeracy. So it's difficult to pinpoint exactly why the schools had such a transformation. But uh, as a community, we really think there's a few things that have contributed to this. So firstly, our vision to be the college of choice that started when we had our executive principal, Gail Major, appointed um, a number of years ago. And this vision really runs quite uh, consistently through our strategic leadership team, our teaching and learning team, our student representative council. We also believe that our college's high expectations have contributed to this, so the belief that all students can be successful Uh, And we also have really strong partnerships with local businesses, local industry and tertiary providers. This is where I suppose our view that students' voice is really integral to their education uh, has been very significant. What we've really been concentrating on recently is how we can engage our students with these partners as well. So some of the things that we've done is teamed up with one of our partners, Thermo Fisher, And they have actually been giving students um, roles of real value, so some tasks that they can complete and present back to them. Um, Two examples, so we've got our annual symposium, which is part of our English curriculum. 
And Thermo Fisher asked our students, well, how can we make the world healthier, cleaner and safer? So the students formed political parties and they presented their views in the form of political campaigns, complete with persuasive slogans, speeches, posters, videos. And, and then people voted on you know, what uh, party they thought was the most persuasive. And recently, our students were asked to design a water bottle logo, which will be used at one of their events as well. As I said before, we, we can't attribute it down to one thing. But um, yeah, there's a number of things that we think are supporting our school to have this transformation. Fantastic. And I want to rewind a little bit because since 2018, I understand that the school has advanced its efforts to meaningfully engage students in decision making and improvement related processes. Why did you decide to do this? Why was it a priority? Well, we have several policy developments that really drive what schools are doing within Victoria and outside of Victoria. So a lot of policy underpinned our work. So at Scoresby, we used what's called the Framework for Improving Student Outcomes, or FISO, to reflect on where we're at as a school. So it's similar to the National School Improvement Tool, which a lot of people outside of Victoria might be familiar with. And FISO helps schools to reflect on where they're at with current practices and what improved practice would look like. For our school, um, improved practice in the student voice agency and leadership space was pretty clear. Uh, So on this continuum, we could see that if we could give all our students some agency in how their teachers teach, that would be uh, what you could describe as the next next step for us. So to achieve this, uh, we really needed to have some structures and processes in place that would allow teachers to engage with and respond to all students so I really want to emphasize that all students and students would also need to have the agency to work collaboratively with their teachers in order to improve instructional practice. From a leadership point of view we also needed to be able to demonstrate improvement and the impact of of these structures and processes. Yeah. So by mid-2018, the school had developed a highly structured cycle of inquiry called the Scoresby Secondary College Amplify model. Could you tell me a little bit about this model? Well, FISO helped us to establish our vision. So with that firmly um, laid out in front, we started to research what makes effective reflection. And we, we really wanted to know this because... Quite simply, it's reflection that lays the foundation for teacher improvement. So we needed to know what makes reflective practice effective. And it soon became clear that effective teacher reflection, it's grounded in day-to-day professional practice, so the teaching and the learning, where teachers can look back on what they've done, um, but they can also look at it in the moment, so that idea of reflecting on or reflecting in. Uh, It also became clear that reflection uh, requires teachers to be able to see themselves through their eyes or through their teachers, uh, through their students' eyes or, or a colleague's eyes. And we also, we also discovered, probably most importantly, that reflection needs to be a clear process and it needs to begin with some data and it needs to be supported uh, through collaboration. So for us, this lit- literature really emphasised that effective teacher reflection needs to be systematic needs to be recursive, collaborative, improvement-focused, 
Um, and we should be able to measure the impacts of it. So then we turned our attention to what best practice was in relation to student voice and agency. So the literature made really clear that at the very least, students should have a voice. They need to be able to speak up about their learning and they also need to be heard. So if we're just using students as a data source, it can actually be detrimental. Um, So we wanted to make sure that we're moving beyond students as just data sources. We also wanted to... um, have students supporting teachers in the improvement process and we learnt that um, students can actually contribute to this decision making and this is where the agency comes in. So through exploring best practice we discovered that um, you know not only what these things were but why they were so important. Um, But we, we, we actually didn't find out how we could do it. So it really became uh a situation where we had to start to develop uh, the how. So we knew what, we knew why we should do it, but the how was a bit vague. We did have a good criteria to go by. So our criteria was that, you know, whatever we do needs to be based on all, all this best practice, all this research. And we wanted to make sure that we're engaging all students, not just some. And we wanted to make sure that the students had some agency and then they were supported through a process with the teacher to improve instructional practice. So that's where our model came from and then it was developed. It's called Amplify because that is a direct reference to a department document in Victoria called Amplify, which is a practice guide around student voice, agency and leadership. And we we wanted to call our model that because it's important to not only align ourselves but to make reference to these broader and larger, more systematic efforts going on. Coming up, Murray Cronin drills down into how staff implemented the Amplify model and discusses what they learned about student voice and its impact on school culture. But first, here's a quick message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by Bank First. Bank First is a customer-owned bank committed to supporting the financial well-being of the education community since 1972. Visit bankfirst.com.au to find out how they can help you reach your financial goals. So, Marie, I'd like to drill down now to what you actually did. So, could you tell me about the process? Well, Amplify is an acronym. Uh, it is seven interrelated steps. And as we move through the steps, we see students using their voice, being heard and having increasing agency over how they're taught. And and what I'll talk about now is taken directly from our Amplify handbook, which includes a range of resources and uh, information to support people to be consistent in how they're implementing the process. So the first part of the process is A for administer. And here we see students completing a student perception survey. Last year we used the ACER um, student teacher questionnaire, SPTQ. Mm -hmm. We we began using that. We found that it aligned very well to our school's instructional model. It also aligned very well to the ATSL standards. And essentially it's an online survey that the students could complete in about 10 minutes. 
There were by memory about 60, 65 questions. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple in that it's five five response options, so five Likert scale. Uh, so teachers administer the survey, and then the second part of the process is M for magnify. So we receive the data. Um, each individual teacher gets their, their own data. It's not distributed to anyone else. And the teacher sits down and they, they magnify the data, and they hone in on you know, one to three things that, that that stands out to them. So we start off by asking, you know, what can be celebrated and what could be improved to enhance learning? So these questions support, you know, the positive acknowledgement of what people are doing well and the idea that this is all about improvement. So the next part of the process is plan, P for plan. So having identified a couple of practices from the survey that they would like to improve, the teacher then goes back to the class and says, you know, this is what you guys have said. These are some areas that I identified as being lower than other areas because the survey data is numerical. So it's quite easy to, to reflect on. And this is essentially where the teacher says, I've listened and now I want to give you some agency over how I teach. So together, the students uh, and the teacher, they're supported to express their views further and generate ideas to support improvement. So we have a bit of like a brainstorm sticky note activity for that. Again, all the students are involved in this process. So that's really important. Throughout this um, planning stage, the, the students then will vote on what do they think will have the most impact for them. The next part of the process is um, L, so learn. So without pointing out the obvious, we can't see teachers changing practice unless there's learning involved. So um, quite often teachers might attend professional learning and then come back and implement it. So in this part of the process, leadership will will talk with the teacher and they'll identify what they want to try and do to improve and if they require any, any learning. Uh, what's been really interesting when we did our action research is that the teachers, they haven't required any external professional learning. Um, and, and this is an interesting concept because we are hypothesizing that potentially the planning part of the process is in itself a learning experience for the teacher. And it really begs the question, to what extent can students be professional learning resources in schools? Um, and that's something that's really driving my thinking at the moment is um, every school's got students and if we are engaging them in teacher um, teacher improvement practice, then, um, you know, it's, it's just potentially an untapped resource for, for schools. Um, so I've talked about learning. I is for implement. So having potentially, if they do need it, uh, undertaken some learning, the teacher then goes back to their class and, and they're trying to implement these, um, these goals that they've set. This part of the process can be, you know, a quick one or it might take time depending on what they're trying to do. F is for follow-up. Uh, this was incorporated into the model because so many 
professional learning programs and models are criticized for their lack of follow-up. So we wanted to formally recognize that it's so important uh, for leaders to check in and make sure that people are progressing and, and working towards what they want to achieve. They might potentially need further support, but so far we, we haven't had to do anything extra as well. At the end of the process, we have the why. So this is essentially why for yes um, or no. So uh, a lot of professional learning models talk about um, at the end, there's kind of this omit or continue kind of stage. So we've just got yes or no. And that's where, again, the teacher reflects with the kids, you know, is this, is this helping? And it's a bit more anecdotal, this information. Because at the end of the process, we go back to A, which really is um, emphasising this feedback loop about continuous improvement. So we administer surveys again, and we can again identify any practices that might require improvement. Yeah. And Murray, throughout this process, what did you learn about student voice and how it impacts on school culture? Well... I've, I've referenced the action research project a few times. So we, when we developed the model, it was entirely theoretical. Um, and we were confident. We felt that there were some pretty defensible practices within the model. But we really wanted to see if it supported students and teachers to collaboratively reflect on and improve instructional practice. So we, we implemented an action research uh, project we treated it a bit like a restaurant would do a soft opening mm-hmm. just a small scale um, trial and you know we also were looking at the action research through the, the lens that this model might require some some tweaks along the way so you know we spoke with students about it as well as teachers and and we did make some tweaks uh, so it looks slightly different to how it originally did. The findings from the action research are really encouraging. Uh, you know, you can hypothesise that it does support improved instructional practice and we were able to measure changes from the uh, changes in the survey data for teachers. What's really interesting, as I, as I alluded to earlier, is, well, you know, we've had these changes to teacher practice without any uh, external or internal professional learning as we know it. So... As, as a leader, uh, you know, traditionally we are presented with the responsibility of teacher improvement and, um, and we know that leaders have such an impact on teachers um, and the achievement of students. But, but something that I discovered personally is just the wealth of information and knowledge that students could generate. Um, as I said, traditionally it's come down to individuals supporting other individuals and coming up with ideas for effective practice. But, but the students came up with so many and so many more than I could have come up with as an individual leader. Um, so it's really got me thinking about what if we conceptualise leadership as not just the adults in the place and because leadership is the ability to influence. And if we're incorporating students in that image of leadership, all of a sudden we have every individual in the school trying to influence and change and and improve. So, you know, by tapping into students, we could have a community of leaders that are supporting 
teachers to improve. Yeah, and I'd love to hear some examples of what the students shared with you. So do you have any that you could tell me about? Yeah, so I could talk about my experience with the survey when I administered it. Uh, There were some clear things that I could do to improve. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was at the end of our instructional model, we encourage teachers to refer back to the learning intention and success criteria. So it's something that I personally was always doing at the beginning and throughout the lesson, but I really wasn't getting the students to reflect on their own achievement and their own progress Mm. at the end. So my survey data presented quite, um, I suppose, low scores. I think by memory the prompt was um, my teacher gets me to reflect on my learning at the end of the lesson or something like that. So I said, well, what, what could I do? You know, it's, um, I just keep forgetting to do it. I feel like I run out of time. So the kids said, well, um, there were lots of ideas, but the, the ones they voted on were, well, why don't you, number one, set a timer um, for 55 minutes, and that will give us the five minutes at the end to, to do this. And why don't you ask questions in that last five minutes at random to individual students getting them to reflect on their learning. So it was um, quite a practical um, thing that I could do mm-hmm. and I didn't need to do any professional learning to, to, to tweak that practice. So it, it was um, certainly a first order change. I could do it instantly and I've been doing it since. And Murray, you are the recipient of the 2019 NGS Super Scholarship Awards for your work in this area. How do you intend to use the $5,000 scholarship? Well, when I applied for the scholarship, some of the goals that I outlined in my application uh, was, one was to make resources to support our school and other schools to engage with their students more. Um, So something that uh, I'm, I'm actually in the planning process at the moment, we are looking to next year establish a student voice agency and leadership institute at our school and 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 the goals of that institute will be as i said to to support other schools through professional learning um, and also to continue exploring this space so what's really interesting about student voice and agency is that it yes there's research and yes there's academic work in the space but a lot of it requires uh, the knowledge generated by schools teachers and students so number one we'll develop professional learning resources at the moment we're looking at podcasts so this is a good experience to see what it's like Uh, and the reason for that is we want the resources to be available digitally so teachers, leaders and students can use them together. So current professional learning models require people to quite often leave their school uh, and, and students aren't really included in that. So we want it to be available to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Uh, we've come up with the plan for that as well. So we're just uh, at the moment researching well, what sort of technical requirements um, should we consider Uh, And as said before too, the second part will be to continue exploring new avenues and and contributing back to to the literature. So 
we do a lot of consuming of it, we want to be producers of it as well and, and including students in that process as well. Fantastic. And so what's next then? I know you've touched on a few things there about how you'd like to use the scholarship, but in terms of the school's priorities, what's 2020 looking like for you? It's certainly going to be busy. Uh, we are, are going to reflect on our, our practices always towards the end of this year and thinking about, well, what do we need to improve? What, do, what can we refine? What can we consolidate? So even our documentation around this Amplify model will be looked at. Our instructional model will be looked at. And we'll start to consider how else can we engage students in either the cl- building a positive climate in the school, how can we engage them in their learning, how can we engage them more in, in how teachers teach, uh, are there any new leadership structures that we can introduce, refine. Um, it, it's just constantly looking at what we're doing and thinking how can we do it better. That's all for this episode. If you'd like to listen to more from Teacher, you'll find us by searching Teacher ACR wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the channel by clicking the purple subscribe button on Apple, the green follow button on Spotify, or the orange follow button on SoundCloud. By subscribing, you ensure that new podcasts land in your feed as soon as they're available. You'll also get a notification straight to your device which is really handy for making sure you never miss an episode. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher supported by Bank First. Bank First has been committed to supporting the financial well-being of the education community since 1972.